these in a hospital in another place. In the intensive care unit, patients always died in the same bed on Sunday morning around 11 o'clock, regardless of their medical condition. And this puzzled the doctors and the nurses. They couldn't just figure out why the death occurred around 11 a.m. on Sunday. So a wide, worldwide team was assembled and, uh, to investigate the cause. And the next Sunday, a few minutes before 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, they all gathered around in the unit and they waited outside patiently and excitingly to see for themselves what this phenomenon was all about. Maybe it was something supernatural. And some of them were holding wooden crosses and some of them had prayer cloths over their arm and others had other holy objects to ward off evil spirits. And just when the clock got just about 11 o'clock, Pookie Johnson, part-time Sunday housekeeper, walked in, unplugged the life support, and plugged in his vacuum cleaner. Simple solution. Still having a bad day? Did you know that the average cost of rehabilitating a seal on, at, after the Exxon Valdez uh, oil spill was $80,000? And so on one day they, they, they had a ceremony because two of the most expensive the saved animals were going to be released back into the wild. And so amid all the cheers and the, and the, the applause as everybody gathered as they were releasing these two seals, they, they released them and watched them go into the water in less than a minute. Killer whales ate them both. Still think you're having a bad day? A wife come home and she found her husband standing in the kitchen shaking and uh, shaking frantically and almost in a dancing frisbee, fr frenzy when with a wire coming off his, his uh, waist and it was headed over towards an electric kettle and intending to uh, jolt him away from the deadly current, she whacked him with a two-before, breaking his arm in two places. And up to that moment, he was in, happily enjoying his Walkman. <laughs> so you think you have a bad day. Sometimes others have worse days than, than we do. But that's the way it goes. If you got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, go down to verse 32. That's where we're going to pick up. It's in the middle of this section of Jesus on the cross. But I wanted to read it this morning. As you saw the, the title on the bulletin cover, Jesus, save yourself. And so we're going to pick up with that thought this morning. Go to Luke 23, down to verse 32, and we're going to start reading there. There was also two other criminals led with him to be put, on, put to death. And when they come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they, are, what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. And, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written above him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who, were, who were, was hanged, hanged also blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. 
But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed, we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said thus, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. Bless us today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This scene at Calvary points us to a fundamental challenge that every one of us have to face. What do we do about Jesus? What do we do? The challenge is to make up our minds about our relationship with Christ. There are some folks who believe that it is possible to take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. They hang on to Jesus' word and they're persuaded and they accept Jesus' proclamation. Ask anything you will and it will be given unto you. But a lot of people don't fit in that category. Many of them don't. They're not convinced. They're, they, they still don't have enough of faith to even raise a prayer, much less believe that prayer can be answered. Oh, how sad that is. They're cynical about God. At worst, they want to give a precondition. If you want me to believe, Lord, this is what you've got to do. If you want me to serve, this is what you want to do. And then there's that other group that just do not believe that God exists. And this is what we find here at this, in this scene recorded in the scripture. Right here at Calvary, those hanging around the cross. You have Jesus hanging on the cross. Uh, verse uh, 35, the people looking, even the rulers saying, sneered, he saved others. Let him save himself. Jesus, save yourself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Verse 37, you got the soldiers. If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. Jesus, save yourself. And then you go skip down to verse 39, one of the criminals hanging there beside him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Jesus, save yourself. There's no more tragic scene than this. There on the cross is the Son of God hanging there, being crucified. And on one side is a man who has earned his, his place in paradise. We don't understand. We don't know what happened. What, something, in, something in him convinced him that he was dying with somebody special. He even called Jesus Lord. Lord, when you, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Remember me. And then on the other side, a man that all he can do is curse his own condition. And I find it interesting. Jesus' trials, some places he uttered not a word. 
said nothing. Then other places he, he spoke. And there were some that he spoke to. He, just prior to the scripture that we read there in the same chapter, back up a little bit, Jesus is carrying his cross to be crucified. He stumbles and Simon the Cyrenian is compelled to carry his cross and the women are there weeping and Jesus says daughters of Jerusalem do not weep for me but weep for yourself and then on the cross he cries out to the father father forgive them for they know not what they do and then later yeah, there's another word when his, wife, his mother is there and John the disciple is there and he says to, to John John behold your mother making sure that she's taken care of. Behold your son. So he did speak to some people, but you notice it's interesting that while he spoke to some people, there were others he didn't even bother to speak a word. He didn't even acknowledge that they were there. The mockers around him were some of those he chose not to speak to. You wonder why? Why would you think that he would not respond to them? Jesus Save yourself. If you're, the, if you're the son of God, if you're the chosen of God, if you're the king of Jews, Jesus, save yourself. Lord, or Jesus, if you are who you say you are, save yourself and us. You ever wonder why? I think there's two reasons. I think there's two main reasons, and I'm going to throw, throw another one that you may have heard me say before as a third one, but I'm going to throw two reasons out. Why did Jesus not respond? Why did he not prove who he was? Do you think, think for a moment, does Jesus have to prove anything? Has he not already proved everything that, he's, that he was who he said he was? Hadn't he done enough? There was nothing more that he could say. There was nothing more that he could do to prove that he was the Son of God. What does a man have to do to prove himself? What does Jesus have to continue to do to prove himself? For over three years, Jesus has uh, walked and traveled through Palestine, working miracles and repeatedly proved he was. When he performed his miracles, he was revealing that he, who he was. When he turned water into wine, he proved who he was. When he healed the sick and made the lame walk and gave sight back to the blind and raised the dead, he was proving who he was. He was demonstrating without any doubt he was the Son of God. What about when he walked on the water? What about when he spoke and the seas calmed? And he rebuked the wind and what happened? It stopped. Again, he was demonstrating who he was. What about when he was speaking parables and he was doing his preaching with such power that people were saying, never a man spoke like this man. What a man. He was revealing who he was. He had already shown everyone, everywhere, who he claimed he was. He was who he claimed he was. And why is it? With all of this evidence and all the proof that we have recorded here and over his centuries and centuries of history, why is it we still call on God to prove himself? Why? We're expecting him to prove himself. Why are we still ha hounded with, with uh, uncertainty? Why do we 
continue to doubt who Jesus is and doubt his power. Why do we keep putting conditions on Jesus? Uh, well, well, God, if you'll, if you'll make sure all these tests come up tomorrow are, are okay, I will, I'll start getting in church more often. In fact, you make sure that all these tests works out, I start going to church every Sunday. If you'll help me with this situation, Lord, I will serve you better. I'll do more for you. And so it's the conditions, Lord, if you'll do something, I will then serve you better, or I will believe. God doesn't have to prove himself to me. He doesn't have to prove himself to you. He's already done all of that. The marks of his majesty, his power, his divinity, his presence. Is all around us. How many times have you seen and experienced an answered prayer? You prayed and the answer of prayer came. Isn't that proof that he is who, that he's there? His presence is there? Or about when, when you, you, you've asked for, for strength in times of weakness and you say, Lord, I, just, I, I can't go on. I need strength. And he's provided the strength you need. Or how about in uh, in sorrow, he's provided the comfort of his Holy Spirit when, when you needed it. Evidence that he is present with us. Look at the at people all around us that, that God literally changed their lives. Each of us. He's literally changed us from the, what we once were to what we are today. And we still doubt. And there's many, many other evidences of Jesus' or God's presence with us every day. Jesus did not respond to those people because he'd already said enough. He'd already done enough. And that should have settled it. There's an old song, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. He'd already settled it. Do you know in your heart that God is real? Or are you still waiting for God to prove himself before you will believe it? Are you knowing already in your heart that, that God wants you to do something? Are you waiting for him to do some miracle or something before you're going to serve him like you should? He doesn't have to prove us anything more to us. Jesus also, part two. Jesus was not going to allow himself to be used for selfish reasons. Those gathered around that cross, the soldiers, the crowd, the religious leaders, even the one dying on one side of him, the crowd and the soldiers mocked him. Why? For entertainment, for their own amusement. It's like... Us going to a, a magic act, and we see a magician, and he's doing his performances. Now, our mind already knows that's not real. It's sleight of hand. But we go because, even though we know it's not real, but we go because we, we want us to be entertained. We want to see what's going on. They just wanted to see if he could do it. Or they wanted to see if he would even try, even though they didn't believe that he could. Jesus, save yourself. They just wanted the entertainment. And then there's the, the dying man on the other cross. 
He just wanted to use Jesus. He didn't acknowledge that he was wrong. He didn't acknowledge that he had done anything. He just wanted to be the suffering. He wanted a stay of execution at the last minute. So he wanted to use Jesus. Jesus, save yourself and save us at the same time. It's the same thing that Satan did in the wilderness experience. All he wanted to do was, was he, did he believe? Yes. Did he know that Jesus was the Son of God? Yes. He just wanted to circumvent God's plan and use Jesus for his own purpose. Some people still do that. All just wanted to set a condition. If you're the Christ, if you're the chosen of God, do it. If you're the King of kings, do it. Save yourself. If you are who you say you are, Jesus saved yourself and us. We must be careful that we don't set a condition to get what we want. We want God to respond to us, and we want him to do it in a certain way. Lord, do it this way, this, this way. I, I'll know you are all-powerful if you'll do this. Or, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll work for you more. I'll serve you better. Uh, but I want, um, I, want some, I want a sign. I want to, this is really what you want me to do. Uh, do this. Put me a sign up there. And so we put these conditions before him. And that's not the way it works, folks. With God, it works the exact opposite. We don't put conditions on Him. It's, a not a, it's not a matter of Him living up to my standards or my expectations, but it's me living up to what He expects of me, what He demands from me, what He wants me to do. He sets the terms. It's not God who has to prove Himself. It's us that we have to prove ourselves faithful. We have, he doesn't have to prove that he's worthy. We have to prove that we're worthy. It's our, it's on us. His faithfulness and his power has never been in question. And yet sometimes that's exactly what we do. We put the, the proof of the pudding on him. Jesus, God show, God true me. We don't test God. We just simply trust God. Don't ask Him to prove His faithfulness. Prove your faithfulness to Him. Let us prove with all of our hearts that we're going to be faithful to Him. Jesus is not going to allow Himself to be used for selfish purpose. He didn't then, and He's not going to today. He expects us to do what He wants us to do. I said there was two, and I don't throw in a third one. And I've used this statement so many times, but it's so true. You may have even heard me mention it before. Jesus was not going to do what they wanted him to do. Why? Jesus, save yourself and us. 
I'm going to make a statement here. Now, please, before you accuse me of being some kind of heretic, give me a chance. He couldn't. That very statement, he couldn't save himself and save us. Now, you may have heard me say that before, and I'll say it many times because I truly believe that. Please understand that he could have come down. He had the power. The power was big enough and strong enough. He could raise Lazarus from the dead. If he could do all the miracles that he did, he had the ability to come down off of that cross. And on top of that, God could have intervened at any moment and rescued him. Jesus, save yourself. If you are who you are, say you are, come on down. They obviously did not even comprehend their own history. Their own concept of the Messiah, going all the way back to, to, to the book of Isaiah. By his stripes are we healed. The suffering Messiah. In their history, looking for the Messiah, knowing that this was part of it. They didn't understand the sacrificial offering that had been going since the days of Moses. The sacrificial lamb to save had to be offered. He could not save himself without giving up the ability to save us. Because it was by his sacrificing himself, giving his life, shedding his blood for my sins is the only way that he could save me. That's the only way he can save any of us. He was paying the penalty that you and I deserve with his life. And the gospel is he would not come down. Could he come down? Yes. Because, but because since he was willingly sacrificing himself for me and for you, he was going to stay. Jesus, save yourself. No, I'm going to save you. Remember, he already said what was going to happen. Go ahead and destroy this body. Destroy this temple. Do it. In three days, I'll raise it up again. So he knew he didn't have to come down. He was coming up. He didn't have to step out. He was coming back. And he knew it. The power that God has. Because he was willingly sacrificing his life so that he could save ours, he died on the cross. He shed his blood and he willingly gave his life. And it was so that I could enjoy and you could enjoy eternal life. Or life even more abundantly here. Uh, he's my hope, he's my shelter. He can be the same for you and I. Jesus, prove yourself. Jesus, save yourself. Boy, aren't you glad he did? As a result, he saves us. Our musicians have come forward for a hymn of invitation, and while they're coming and we're preparing, and listen. Do you hear the voice? What did Isaiah said? That, that still, small voice 
speaking to your heart, speaking to your lives, challenging you, calling for you to do something with your life, to make a decision about Him without any strings attached. You're not saying, well, Lord, I, I will believe, I will accept if... Well, Lord, I, if, you'll get, if you'll provide some music, I'll respond. we got a pianist. She's going to give you music. Well, Lord, if I hear a song, I'll believe. Lynn's going to sing us one. Well, lead us in singing one, and we're all going to sing. So listen to the music. Listen to the song. But listen to the Spirit. If God is speaking to you, while we sing this hymn invitation, respond to him. Father, bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.